Episode 19 of the Christian Feminist Podcast. I'm Leah Henning, and with me today are Carla Ewart and Victoria Farmer. Hello, Carla, Victoria. Hi. Hello. (laughs) So let's introduce ourselves for any listeners new to the program. Carla? Sure. Um, I'm Carla Ewart, as she said, and I am... I am a mother and a wife and a writer, <laughs> and um, I also work with um, Convergence US, which is an arm of the Center for Progressive Renewal, um, helping with some of their projects and their conferences. So I'm kind of a, a busy, busy girl all over the map. Um, um, yeah, and I've been with, uh, been on the podcast before, and, and love chatting with the the girls here. So yeah, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with my husband Chris and my two daughters. I have an eight year old and an eighteen month old. Um, and, uh, yeah, just keep busy with that and with my work. All right. Uh, Victoria. Hello everyone. Uh, I'm Victoria Reynolds farmer. I am an adjunct instructor of English and sociology at crown college in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota, um, which takes up most of my time. Um, and when I'm not doing that now that I don't have a dissertation to write anymore, Um, I have started a hobby, which I abandoned many years ago because of the dissertation. Uh, so I am playwriting again, which is very fun. All right. And I'm Leah Henning. I'm a perpetual student at the moment. I'm currently living in Chicago where I'm studying Renaissance and early modern European history at Loyola University. Uh, today we are going to be talking catcalling and the public female body. Um, and to start off with, I'll go ahead and define catcalling and public body for listeners. Um, catcalling is something that has been coming up more and more frequently in social and online media as a version of street harassment. It should be noted that harassment does not equal physical contact or assault. Harassment and catcalling in particular are entirely verbal or very verbal. Um, While this might seem like a new issue because of the growing online awareness, the first known use of the term catcalling was in the late 1600s. And according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, to catcall someone is to make a sound or noise towards someone usually that you do not like. Uh, But recent years, that definition has changed to make a whistle, shout, or a comment of a sexual nature to a woman passing by, specifically a woman. Um, What makes this definition so gut-wrenching is because it is so very gender-specific and also sexually explicit, which ties into a phrase that's also growing in academia, uh, public body. Public body is more of an assumption 
that because a body is present within a public or social space, it is inherently part of the public property. That is, they don't have the same right to privacy. Uh, there are obviously some major issues with this assumption that we might get into later, but the relation between catcalling and public body is pretty self-evident. Women's bodies are in a public place when they are walking or traveling or whatever when they are being catcalled. And because the assumption is that they are now part of the public, that catcallers have the right to harass them. Um, and now uh, I'll throw it over to Carla on some of the recent reactions to catcalling and the online presence. Sure. Um, so there's a whole movement happening um, around a website called Hollaback, which is um, challenging this, the the trend of street harassment. And, and recently published the Hollaback site that started this this um, this web this video of this woman who walked for ten hours in New York City and suffered more than a hundred street harassment in- incidents. And they posted it and. Um, it got a reaction, some of it quite negative um, and some of it positive from women saying, oh, yeah, this happens to me all the time. This is something that I go through constantly. Um, and some of it from men saying, I don't know. Um, and all kinds of different different reactions. Uh, there were some racial reactions to the video um, because a lot of the a lot of the incidents of street harassment um, that were portrayed in the video on the part that was posted um um, were were, were uh, performed by men of men of color and um, different um, different um, situations like that, and so there was a lot of critique video from a lot of different angles. Uh, but the reality was that this woman literally suffered hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, situations where she was she was um, come onto by men, and, and her that he was mentioned or or. Um, complimented in its way. And um, so that ha- that is the sort of impetus for some of this conversation lately. Um, I looked at a couple of reactions to this. Uh, one was a con- Amanda Steele, who was just talking about the fact that this happens to her all the time, too, and, and the- in New York City as well. And so she was talking about the she has to be driving. Be, not be in a car. She walks a lot. And the incidents that she deals with are just constant. Um, and there was a, a man, Steve Santagati, on the on the program who was saying that that the whole thing that women saying that this, this is a problem is is ridiculous because women it's really what women want um and that was his approach is that women want to be complimented and the fact that we're saying that they want it he just refused to hear it it was really because the comedian kept saying no i'm telling you this is what women want and he just kept saying oh no you're wrong and she's like i i don't know how else to say <laughs> this is now what women want. And it was it was quite a fascinating uh, clip. It's on it was on CNN originally. Um, so that's sort of where this is happening. But the interesting thing about the Hollaback site that I found interesting that I, I think we can touch on a little bit is what they're asking women to do is to report incidents of catcalling um, by either a picture or by posting uh, just an incident report on a map that they've created. They have an app um, that, that provides the opportunity to take a picture or just to, to post a, here's where this happened, kind of a thing to trace it on the map. Um, so that's interesting to me, the idea of, of, of that um, sort of um, citizen policing of this issue. Um, so that's that's what's going on online with it, uh, part of it, part of the story, and there's a lot happening around it. All right. Thank you, Carla. 
Uh, Victoria, would you like to talk some more about some of the counter-catcalling movements? Sure, yeah. Um, Carla already mentioned Hollaback, uh, which has been around for several years. Um, their website is iHollaback.org. Um, we'll link to that in our show notes. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about um, that organization, and I'll also talk about two other um, counter-catcalling movements. So, um I Hollaback is a nonprofit. Um, it's it's reached the organizational level. It started out as a really grassroots website. Um, on the site, it says that they want to promote awareness, validation, healing, and courage, and that's why they encourage women to uh, to share their stories so that other women will know um, know that they're not alone and know that they have the power to to speak up. Um, Something else really interesting that I found on their website is that they call street harassment a, quote, a gateway crime that makes other gender-based violence okay. Um, I found that that idea of gateway crime being really interesting. Um, I had never really heard of that term applied not to drugs but to crime before. Um, And I certainly think that, um, that that idea that Leah, you mentioned earlier of street harassment saying that, that women's bodies are, are public property, um, certainly could be thought of as a gateway to, um, to violence, to worse crimes like, um, rape and assault. So I found that really interesting. Um, one thing that Hollaback used to be trying to do, but abandoned, um, at one point they were beta testing a kind of anti-cat calling GPS, um, in New York City, this kind of network where women could, um, input harassment locations in order to warn other women. Um, unfortunately that, um, that effort got abandoned just because, um, sadly, the harassment was everywhere. The, the map um, became useless because there wasn't really a way to distinguish places that there weren't any harassment because it was everywhere. Um, so that's, that's sort of depressing. But um, they are doing really great stuff now. Because of the stories that they're compiling, um, we're amassing a huge amount of research that's being used by psychologists, by psychiatrists, by sex and gender theorists and therapists. Um, and some of this research is even being used to, um, to affect laws, to promote anti-harassment uh, legislation. So these stories that start um, at the very personal individual level are actually making uh, some huge political changes. So that's really cool. Uh, two other anti-catcalling movements that I want to mention. Um, one, uh, an artist in New Mexico, Tatiana Falizida. Um, sorry if I mispronounced that name. Um, she's an artist in New Mexico who put up an installation called the Stop Telling Women to Smile Project. She hand draws pictures of women who um, have been street harassed and then um, includes text on those images allowing women to speak back to their harassers. Text that either they did say or that they wanted to say um, in the moment back to their harassers to kind of reframe the conversation and take it back. Um, and another really recent uh, any cat calling movement that is also about reframing conversation um, is a Twitter hashtag, the hashtag dudes greeting dudes, which um, 
engages with this ideology that Carla mentioned about um, catcalling really being a compliment, really being what women want. Um, it engages with this by uh, reframing um, reframing the conversation by taking common catcalling language and material and writing it as if a man was saying it to another man to kind of point out the absurdity and point out um, the inherent gender bias that most catcalling contains. A couple of funny examples. One, uh, you see a dude in a nice suit and just roll up on him like, dang, you wearing that suit, bro. Uh-huh. Hashtag dudes greeting dudes. Or my favorite, because this thing has happened to me before, uh, if you reject a an initial cat call, uh, you can't even take a compliment, bro. Fine, you look fat anyway. Hashtag dudes greeting dudes. So, uh, I like that. I like it a lot. I'm usually not super pro Twitter activism because I think it's kind of silly. Um, but I do think that this joking is a, is a good way to get people to think about, um, what catcalling really is and does. So those are just a couple of anti-catcalling movements that are hitting the internet. Wonderful. Today we're going to focus on Judith Walkowitz's article going public, shopping, street rent, and street walking in late Victorian London. Um, and we're really going to just look at this article and try to see what does it say about street harassment for us today and what does it say about intent women's bodies in the public. Uh, Victoria, would you like to start with this one? Sure. Um, first of all, I want to uh, say thanks, Leah. Um, you're, you are our resident historian, uh, so uh, I think it's really cool that you chose to um, frame this discussion, the reading discussion, from a historical perspective. Um, I had read this article a couple of years ago, but not for a while, um, and I had a really fun time revisiting it, so uh, thanks for that. But um, something that I thought was really interesting about the Wolkowitz article um, because I was just doing the research on the Hollaback website and, and thinking about um, how that movement worked. Um, Wolkowitz says that um, something that's really central to um, catcalling and its kind of place in historicized Victorian society is um, emergence of new popular media and the way that newspapers are wrapped up in um, in this issue in two ways. First, um, women start to be in the public sphere in a way that they haven't been previously, primarily through um, shopping. There are a lot of ads in papers in this period that identify shopping um, as, as a new experience and as a particularly... Um, feminine new experience, these all-women's shopping days where you can come and sort of pamper yourself and uh, and get in touch with your femininity and, and language like this. Um, so you have this emergence of women into the public sphere um, on the way to this gendered place. And papers are um, are advertising these things and bringing women out in droves. Um, and then once um, women start to be in the public sphere more and, um, and men 
who are not used to seeing women in the public sphere start to feel this kind of bodily entitlement that we've been talking about, um, the papers are there again, and they're there to um, publish lists of tips about how to avoid these harassers, um, lists of tips that, as I read the article, did not seem terribly unfamiliar to me, um, things about... Um, you know, walking with someone and not walking alone, um, guarding your purchases, making sure you have an exit strategy, um, things that sounded an awful lot like the rape prevention tips that were posted in my college dorm, um, interestingly enough. So I found it really, um, really intriguing to think about public media and how in this period, um, public media is sort of um, speaking out of both sides of its mouth a little bit, um, telling women to come out into the freedom of the public. And then when they do and they're endangered because of sexist attitudes, um, giving them um, sort of giving them ways to handle um, handle the dangers that, you know, don't really handle the dangers. Uh, so that's that's something that stuck out to me when reading the Wolkowitz. Yeah, I think that's interesting that, that that it's all addressed to women, right? That the both, like you said, the call to come out into the public space is addressed to women, and then the corrective behavior, um, sort of speech, is also directed to women. There's there's never a a direct address to men saying, "Okay, this is not the way that this is happening, and this is not the way that we're going to to handle this." There's not a corrective behavior note to men. <laughs> there's a corrective behavior note to women. I just find that interesting, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think we're still getting to a place as a society where we're starting to address, um, more of those corrective, um, behaviors to men. Um, we're starting to have, um, fewer, Hey, women don't get yourself raped conversations, conversations about, um, you know, not taking open drinks and using the buddy system and carrying your keys in your hand so you can stab someone with them. Right. And we're starting to have more conversations about kind of negative masculinities and internalized violence. Um, and, and those kinds of things, we're starting to have groups on college campuses, um, that, that do teach men not to rape rather than just teaching women not to get raped. Um, but it, it's taken a, a long time to get there. And I think we've, we've still got, um, a long way to go. I agree. So I have a question on that. Just what you guys think about the, the I Hollaback site. Um, I think it's like you said, Victoria, collecting a lot of really interesting data and, and creating a lot of really rich research material and that kind of thing. However, it is primarily primarily addressed to women and, and how they could can behave in a more empowering way in these situations. So how, how does that tie into this conversation, I guess, in some ways? I, I'm not, I think that the site is doing fantastic things as well, but it, it still feels in some ways like it's, like it's, um, I don't know, maybe it's a tool for women rather than a behavior modification thing, but it, but it still feels a little bit like behavior modification for women rather than, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I guess I, I'm going to jump in here. I kind of agree with you, Carla, that it seems like it is behavior modification, but it is actually a tool. Like, uh, I have to admit, I have the Hollaback app on my phone. Um, 
I actually got it when I moved to Chicago. Uh, and it's actually helped me learn in a new city, some places where I can avoid going, um, some danger zones, if you will. Uh, admittedly, there are a lot of danger zones because a lot of women are getting catcalled and they're reporting it, but it gives me a better idea of where I need to be aware of myself more. Um, and it, it's been more of a tool for me than um, uh, how not to get uh, attacked or assaulted. Uh, I think you're both making really good points here. Um, I, Leah, I think you're right and smart to um, – to, to work within the framework that exists to realize that like you are a woman alone in a new city and that um, even if it would be amazing if people, you know, weren't terrible and didn't feel entitled to your body when it was in public, uh, they do. So I, I think um, I think it's good that you're being practical. Um, I also agree with Carla. It totally sucks that you have to be practical in that way um it's it's terrible that that this is the world that we live in and i i would um i would like it if it weren't um and uh and i it would be good um if i guess the site were more balanced but i'm not sure what that would look like or maybe not there yet, that this is a, the framework that we're living in, that this is a really cool tool um, and that we can still be hopeful for more more change in the future that would make it um, less about this kind of concern, that we would have to have this kind of concern. But I agree with you that, that at the time that we're at, this, this, is, this is the reality. So, Right. Wouldn't that be the goal, is that a back would not be needed at all? Um, but of course we're not there. We still have quite a ways to go. Uh, and all of those reported stories on Hollaback need to be gone before a new, a new system could even begin to take its place. Um, which actually connects to something that uh, you touched on Victoria, when you were talking about the article that I, really stood out to me was um, uh, that there is so much a reflection uh, within the street harassment in Victorian London that seemed very familiar to me. Um, I liked the fact that Walkowitz shows the existence of street harassment in another period than our own. I am a historian, so I, I like to see these mirrors, but at the same time, uh, um, I was wishing as I read it that this was an issue that was stuck in the past and that I didn't recognize a lot of what she was saying from things that I'd seen or read online or what I've experienced myself or with a friend. Um, a lot of it was connected to this highly patriarchal society, social structure, um, harassment being connected to the, the feelings of shame, blame, and the quantification of women, um, and also showing how the media representation does support or disqualify a woman's account of being harassed. Uh, 
And it just strikes at home that this is an ongoing issue that's inherent within our social structure. Um, so that was my that was my reaction to the article. Yeah, I think the thing that I found really interesting about is the whole idea of public versus private space and how this was, she sort of, Walkowitz was talking about this, the emergence of women into public space in a new way um, and, and the tendency prior to that for that to be a very divided idea that, that public and private spaces were very separate and that women were to stay in private spaces and that by coming into these public spaces, even though they were invited, as Victoria pointed out, by advertisers and other other opportunities, um, they then paid the consequence in some ways for breaking that line, you know, walking over that line and, and breaking out of their private spaces. Um, and I, I just, I found that whole idea really interesting that they're still in our pr public spaces. There's still this um, idea of male power that, that men actually are privileged in that they get to say what they want to say, regardless of, of your feelings about it. Um, and the idea that our public spaces are still, still that male dominated is, is kind of disconcerting. Um, just give it, given that we've been processing this information for so long, you know, it just, it's amazing how long these ideas take um, to really take hold and change behaviors. Um, so that was the thing about the article that kind of struck me as just that this new, in, you know, in the article in, in early modern, um, in this Victorian, I'm sorry, Victorian London, this space that, that women started to take up in the, in the public life. Yeah, thank you, Carla. Um, and actually, we've all kind of touched upon this a little bit, but perhaps now we could go to um, some of our own experiences with street harassment and also the counter catcalling actions. Because um, we are all women and we have all experienced some form of this. Uh, Carla, would you like to start with this? Sure. Um, I've always lived in relatively, I guess I could say, um, safe places. I, I grew up in, a, you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is a, a relatively small area, and now live in Minneapolis. I spent some time in Dallas, about six years, and um, um, I've always found that, for the most part, the places that I are are free of that. But I certainly have experienced it, and and experienced people. Um, you know, men attempting to tell me, you know, how I should feel that day about the way that I look. And and that's, I think, um, the thing that I find most interesting about it is this idea that I should be really, really blessed by the fact that a man wants to tell me it's about my, whatever, about my body that day. And that that should be something I should be happy about. This whole movement, Victoria, that you were talking about, about um, stop telling women to smile, that idea that we should be happy about this, that this is forced on us that we should be happy about and enjoy. Supposedly it's what we want. Um, it's such a, such a fascinating idea. Um, and I think that my response I'm in what I find disconcerting about my own, uh, the incidences of catcalling that I've experienced is my own response. Quite honestly, I find myself nervous enough and I hate, but I'm so nervous and I don't know what to say back and I don't know what to do. And I find myself in a situation where I, 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 probably respond in some way that 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 seems positive though it's not positive my my discomfort is what makes me grin or or giggle or whatever it is and that's something i find frustrating and reading the hollaback site and 
hearing just some of the things that people have said back and, and wishing for that kind of empowerment for myself and knowing that I have been just too afraid to um, respond in a way that I would be proud of. Um, and that's something that I find as I think about my own experiences, just disconcerting, like I said. I, I agree. I've, I've been in similar situations where I got mad at myself afterwards for not knowing um, what to say, for not being forceful enough back. Um, but I, I think that like we can't completely disconnect our responses to these situations to the way our society has conditioned us to respond, right? Just as men in our patriarchal society are kind of instructed that, um, that they're allowed to take public ownership of our expressions or our smiles or our bodies. Um, I think we as women have been, it's been just as ingrained in us socially to like not feel entitled to a response. So, um, that, that's something that I, I try to, um, cut myself a break on, um, in, in those situations too, though you're right. It's, it's super hard. It's, it's just hard. That's something that I've noticed in my reactions as well. Um, that I tend to automatically smile at whoever's talking to me. Um, I also grew up in a rural area, uh, very, a very safe area. Um, went to a smaller college and uh, really Chicago is the first city that I've lived in, um, which is its own shock. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until that I had been exposed to more street harassment, Chicago actually put up with catcalling from guy friends in my past. Um, where I had accepted um, men telling me that I should be happy or that I should accept that I'm beautiful or, or things like that that you hear in catcalling. And I hadn't realized um, that I had accepted that in my safe hometown um, because it were, was coming from people that I knew. Um, so that connection for me was very striking and disconcerting. Yeah, I um, I didn't really notice uh, the effects of street harassment until I was in an area that wasn't my hometown. Um, that happened to me as well. Um, I, I guess I remember being catcalled and things um, before this, but most of my catcalling experiences happened um, in Tallahassee when I was at graduate school at Florida State, um, m much more than happened um, earlier in my academic career when I was still in Georgia. Um, probably a confluence of factors. Um, it's it's hot in Florida. There's more exposed skin, things like that. Not that that, by the way, is in any way an excuse for behavior like this, though it's, it's often uh, framed as an excuse for such. But I, I remember this one time. Um, it was in between classes. Um, I had, I, I think it was, um, it was summer. So 
I was taking uh, May Mester or June Mester or whatever it's called, where you take um, these huge three-hour blocks a couple of days a week in a row. So I had um, a really short break between two giant classes, and I was starving. Um, so I was going to... Um, do the next best thing to getting actual food and run across the street to the convenience store um, nearest the university and find something, you know, ridiculous and calorie-laden to uh, tide me over till I could go home and get actual dinner. So uh, I'm on a mission. I'm crossing the street. I'm standing at the crosswalk, and this truck um, full, not just being driven by, but also with a bed full of, um, I hesitate to call them gentlemen, uh, rolls up and, uh, sits in front of the crosswalk and, uh, this is not a joke or an exaggeration, barks at me as I cross the street. Um, they're barking and hooting and hollering and saying, uh, things about like how great I look that day or whatever. Um, and I just, at first I was confused because I thought, First of all, what's happening? And then I thought, is that barking? And then I thought, well, certainly no one is barking at me because that is not a thing people do. And I just, I couldn't really respond in any discernible way because I was just so like, really? Like this is happening right now? E even though I know that, um, that street harassment is common and that I, uh, had been street harassed before, I just, I did not get up and get out of bed that day and expect to be barked at <laughs> at all. Uh, so, so that experience actually led to, um, a really fantastic experience uh, in Tallahassee, which is I participated in uh, the Tallahassee Slut Walk that year. Um, and Slut Walk is uh, an anti-victim blaming organization, um, primarily connected to um, campus rape, but, uh, but also connected to this idea of the public body and the idea that, um, that anything that people, uh, that women wear is, is not an invitation to be, um, to be groped, to be harassed, to be, um, disturbed in a public space. Uh, and, and I, um, at that slut walk, I wore the outfit I was wearing, uh, when I got barked at that day and I got to have conversations with other women about, you know, I picked this outfit specifically because it happened, uh, because of the street harassment that happened that day. And I'm sort of, I'm taking this outfit back. Uh, it doesn't belong to them anymore. Uh, so that was a really great experience for me. That's great. That's a, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know there was a slut walk. I think that's hilarious and fantastic in so many ways. Um, I, I did, as I was thinking all this stuff through, I wondered if you feel like if there's a, if, if it would be worth talking about, like, what is an appropriate appropriate way to compliment someone and and at what level of knowledge of a person do you get the right to do that like if you know cat calling from a strain completely out of the realm of, of appropriate <laughs> where is complimenting appropriate or is it is it ever a thing I mean is it is it um have we do we feel like it's just not okay to comment on the way that somebody's presenting their physical body I'm just curious what you guys think about that. If there is a place in a way that that's appropriate, Leah, you talked about some friends that you now look back on and think that maybe that wasn't the kind of complimenting that you would like to have had. And I'm just curious if you guys feel that there is some sort of appropriate way that this happens. 
I definitely think that there's a right and wrong way to compliment somebody in public. I work also work in retail because, you know, I need to pay rent. Um, and sometimes to build rapport with a customer, you do compliment them. But that is after you get to know them a little bit, even through just a little bit of a conversation, you don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, you have a really nice, uh, well, body in this case, um, or for me, it would be, oh, I really like your scarf. You don't just walk up to somebody and say that and then walk away or even worse, yell it at them. Um, I'd say the mode of the compliment, how you're going about complimenting the person is going to make most of the difference. Um, and the fact that when a woman is on the street walking, she probably doesn't want to be complimented. She's going somewhere. She's got other things on her mind. And it's pro probably not the person who's standing there on the corner or walking past her. Yeah. And I hesitate. I mean, I'm not at all trying to say that these things are compliments. I, I recognize that they're not even motivated in that way. I was just, um, as I was thinking about it, like thinking, you know, what is, what are, I don't know <laughs> if either, if, I don't know, Victoria, did you have any, any thought process on that? Like it just, yeah. to me, it, it seems like it's about knowing somebody like I'm fine with, with hearing a compliment from people to whom I'm, you know, that I'm close to and that I, that I have some kind of relationship with. Um, anyway. Yeah, I certainly think that having an established relationship, even if, like Leah said, even if it's just a, I'm a customer at this place and I see you a clerk once a week, um, th that in itself is a type of relationship. Um, I ideally, I think compliments would be given, you know, in a, in a kind of deeper, more established relationship than that. Um, but um, a relationship is key. I also think um, something that really struck me in the Walkowitz article was she cited um, an, an early definition of street harassment. And one of the um, things listed in the definition was uh, a demand for attention. Uh, the idea that, as Leah was saying, this woman is, is going about her day um, just kind of just trying to do life the way that everyone is just trying to do life and and is um is sort of ripped away from what she's doing and interrupted and and that kind of demand for attention is supposed to be not only okay but like a positive as as if um as if her focus isn't isn't as valuable so i i think that there's a difference between um, a so-called compliment that is really a demand for attention because compliments, right, aren't supposed to be about the people giving them. Compliments are supposed to be about the people getting them, right? So if, if you're really complimenting someone, then you're not demanding uh, for attention. You're actually pointing uh, towards them and giving them something positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I think we can all agree that the catcalling is not positive. If anything, it it does the opposite of a compliment, um, where it frequently tears down the object and quite literally the object of the catcalling um, instead of building them up. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Um, right to point out objectification um, and also right to mention this idea of tearing down. Because I think um, oftentimes catcalling is wrapped up in um, an, an expectation of appropriately performed femininity um, that that if if we don't respond in the right way to these air quotes, compliments, um, that, that we're sort of not being a woman in the right way. Um, this is what the, the smiling thing is about, right? The idea that women are told to smile much more, um, by strangers in public spaces than men are because, um, women are supposed to be, um, nurturing and accepting and positive and all of these things. And so if we don't smile in public, then we're, we're like breaking some part of the social contract, right? That's objectionable. Um, and I've, I've always been really upset about, um, about this smiling thing, which happens to me all the time. Um, even, even in my current work environment, um, it happens to me all the time. And I, um, I, I object to this personally, um, not just politically. Personally, um, something I don't talk about on the show a whole bunch, um, but I, I will mention now. Um, I am a person with a disability. I have cerebral palsy. And because of this, um, it takes a lot of physical effort for me to do a lot of regular movement that it wouldn't take um, an able-bodied person the same amount of effort for. So I often have a, a focused um, look on my face when I'm walking from place to place, because for me, walking from place to place is a great deal of physical work. And I think that oftentimes um, people misinterpret this focus as as anger, um, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting like everyone to, to know my life and know everything about why I look the way I do. But, um, but even if they don't, they, they shouldn't assume, right. That I, that I feel a certain way. This, this idea that people who are strangers to you can, um, can a tell how you feel in a given situation and b presume to tell you that they know how to correct how you feel is just so galling to me. I think that's um, super interesting. I, know we, I watched a video called, um, I think it was called Catcalling, an All-American Pastime, which was super interesting. And one of the quotes from that was that street, street harassment is about ownership. And what are we there for? If, if, what are women there for out in the public space, right, if not for men's pleasure? And this idea of, of performing happiness for the sake of <laughs> whoever's watching you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Rather than it being um, for your own sake, this idea of acting in any way for the sake of some external, giving somebody else sort of external comfort or, or pleasure rather than being some sort of genuinely motivated for your own sake, you know, action or smile or whatever it is, um, is just a matter of, of how we see women as less their own than we see men. Um, women are supposed to be, like you said, about um, creating comfort for others rather than acting more from for themselves and from themselves. And um, thus this idea that, that we should be performing happiness to make somehow our the, the public space a little more cheerful. <laughs> it's just such an interesting idea to me. Um, but the idea, I think, that this is all about ownership and who owns the female who owns a woman's body, whether she owns it or whether the space that she's in has some claim over it um, is interesting. 
Yeah, and I think something else that we should probably mention is that some of the catcalling is not leaning towards this more positive um, positive inclination. Some of it is actually insults, hurling insults at women um, because they are not wearing what is deemed appropriate by whoever's doing the catcalling or because they don't fit to a certain idea of beauty. Um, and sometimes it's quite violent. Uh, thankfully, I haven't experienced any of that kind of catcalling, but I have been with women who have, um, even walking down the street with them and they have had those kind of cat calls directed at them. Um, and even though I wasn't the object that it's an incredibly frightening and degrading experience, but it also says a lot about the person who's doing the cat calling, uh, who is buying into very specific ideas of beauty and what it means to be feminine or, or not. Oh, sure. And, and this negativity is, is also about entitlement, right? Um, and, and about ownership. It's, um, it's people who are, who are saying these things are saying, um, if you exist in public, you should look the way I think you should look. You should fit a certain standard or else, um, um, or else, you know, I'm I'm going to voice my uh, my vocal disapproval. Um, a, another um, another incident that happened to me that I actually didn't remember until you started talking about this negative stuff. Um, I I won't say the exact wording because I I don't want us to get some sort of uh, I don't want us to get the explicit tag or anything like that. But um, I was walking around campus one day. Um, and some guy yelled out, uh, I would violent euphemism for sex, you even though you're crippled. And I thought, wow, okay. First of all, what do you actually think you're going to accomplish by saying this to me? Second of all, like, oh, I don't know. There's so many layers to that. I just, um, I, I, I did respond um, to this person, I, um, made a rather rude physical gesture toward him that I will not elaborate on because this is a family show. Um, but, but that is, is one time in which I, I did, um, have a, have an immediate response. It's just so unbelievable. <laughs> it's just absolutely, you know, it's just unbelievable. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting that, that you're, what you said there, Victoria brought up in, in my mind was that, um, that the Holler, the Hollerback talks about um, catcalling as uh, reminding subordinated groups, women and um, LGBTQ people, often of their vulnerability. Um, and that's that's an issue. As we talk about this negative, the negative, the negativity around most catcalling, um, just constant reminder of our vulnerability and our our um, this, this feeling of being threatened that, that we carry around with us. Um, I have a, another great friend named Victoria and she 
time um, about privilege as the, uh, as a lack of burden. So it's interesting to think about privilege as something that's lacking. Um, but often it's it's when we don't have to think about something that another subset of people may have to think about. Um, and this was around the Ferguson situation, and she has um, her her uh, daughter is is African. American. And so she was talking through this idea of having the conversation about police and, and how you deal with that. Um, and the idea that, that, that privilege, those of us in privilege, that's just something we lack. We don't carry that burden of having to talk to our children about how to relate to police um, and that concern. And I think this is another situation where that's the case. Um, privilege becomes the lack of carrying the burden of, burden of anxiety and fear. And, and men have privilege. They don't have to walk around being constantly uh, reminded of the, their vulnerability or care, you know, changing their pathways or avoiding certain metro trains or whatever it is um, in order to feel safe, where that's something that women, that's a, that's a burden that women carry. Um, and and um, I just, I find that whole, that whole idea, um, just an interesting idea that, that privilege can be a lack of burden rather than something that that you lack um so the idea that catcalling keeps us in that in that place of carrying that burden burden of anxiety and fear is a real a real um power dynamic that that um that i don't know can be quite discouraging (laughs) absolutely well we can keep talking about this for a very long time. This is an ongoing conversation online um, and elsewhere through sites like the Hollaback Organization. But I think we'll wrap up episode for now. Um, and before we end up, and uh, we'll pass on some recommendations. Uh, I would encourage listeners to definitely check out some of movements like Hollaback. And one that we didn't mention was Stop Street Harassment, um, which you can find at stopstreetharassment.org, both of which are doing a lot to spread awareness of catcalling and street harassment. Uh, There are also a ton of articles about catcalling and street harassment available on the Huffington Post site, which we'll have some links to, I believe. Um, But uh, Carla, do you have any recommendations? Um, I don't have any specific things to read necessarily. I, I did find the CNN um, art, the CNN video that I talked about quite interesting. I think just because it, it sort of demonstrated the conversation that we keep seeming to have, where women are saying one thing and and we're getting just uh, often a complete lack of response or a, a pushback that says, ah, you don't really mean it kind of a thing. And it was sort of a play out of that dynamic that happens over and over again and on larger scales. And so that um, link is called um, CNN just aired the most insane reaction to the catcalling viral video. And we'll have that on the site, but it's worth watching. I think the, the uh, comedian Amanda Seals response is just kind of fantastic and it's worth watching. I love that video so much. The uh, the epic side eye that she gives um, the guy who keeps telling her that this is what women want is just uh, I I keep it. Uh, I have a folder of of GIF files um, on my computer that I look at when I am sad, and uh, her her epic eye roll uh, is one of the GIFs that I keep around to make myself happy. 
It's awesome. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to recommend a feminist theory classic. Um, I, the first place that I ever heard, um, a deconstruction of this um, idea where we, we shouldn't tell women to smile in public is in Shulamith Firestone's landmark 1970 book, uh, The Dialectic of Sex, The Case for the Feminist Revolution. Um, there, there are a lot of things in the dialectic of sex that go a little too far for me. Um, Shulamith Firestone is, um, if, if you remember, Back way early in the first season, our, our discussion of, of feminist history, she's a second wave radical. Um, she has some pretty, well, radical um, ideas about how we should gain equality. Um, not all of which I just I uh, agree with, but one I certainly do agree with is her comments about um, uh, smiling in public and why people tell women to do it. Um, I'm going to quote just a little bit from Dialectic of Sex on that point here. Uh, In my own case, I had to train myself out of that phony smile, um, the smile she says she gives in response to people who tell her to smile, which is like a nervous tick on every teenage girl. And this meant that I smiled rarely, for in truth, when it came down to real smiling, I had less to smile about. My dream action for the women's liberation movement, a smile boycott, at which declaration all women would instantly abandon their pleasing smiles henceforth smiling only when something really pleased them. Uh, So I think that quote is great. Um, If you want to learn more about um, this smiling idea, please check out The Dialectic of Sex. All right. Thank you, Victoria. And thank you for listening to the Christian Feminist Podcast. Love to hear from you. If you have a topic or reading recommendations for future shows, you just want to drop us a line, you can do so at christianfeministpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page and check out the show notes from this and our other episodes at the Christian Humanist blog at christianhumanist.org. The Christian Feminist Podcast is a member of the Christian Humanist Podcast Network. Christian Fippick is our press liaison and Zach Schmidt is our intern. For Victoria Reynolds-Farmer and Carla Ewart, I'm Leah Henning. Tune in in two weeks, and we'll discuss women's Bible studies. Until then, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love.